Hello, and welcome to another Radio Inc. Management Podcast. Here's your host, Radio Inc. Editor-in-Chief, Ed Ryan. All right, joining us this week on our management podcast is the great Paul Whalen. Paul is an author, speaker, media strategist, consultant, and he's also a writer for Radio Inc. Magazine, where he has a column on sales. Some of his books include Think Like an Ad Man, Sell Like a Madman, How to Make Ads That Work, Successful Local Broadcast Sales, and Long-Term Local Direct, How to Get Rich in Broadcast Sales, and you can find them and buy them all on his website, paulwhalen.com. Paul, why don't you tell us what you've been up to lately? Well, I've been uh, working with uh, radio and television stations all over this, this country and some uh, foreign countries as well, including Latvia, one of the former SSRs, great folks, great radio stations, uh, Radio Skanto there. Anyway, uh, it's always fun um, and it's always refreshing to work with sales staffs uh, uh, in, in radio. And a lot of traveling lately? Yeah, um, and it's getting ready to kick up again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you folks out there, wherever you might be. And uh, will you be at the radio show this year? Yes, I will, as a matter of fact. Uh, according to uh, according to uh, some of my sources, yeah, they're going through a final process, uh, and then uh, I, I should get a call next week, but it looks like I will. And Great, and that's coming up in September uh, in Nashville, so we'll look forward to seeing you there. So your topic that uh, we're going to talk about is how to avoid surprise cancellations and triple or quadruple your local direct billing. Now, Anybody that's listening or everybody that's listening would love to uh, even, you know, add a little to their billing these days. So how do you propose that stations do that? First of all, uh, the pickle that we're in is a tough one because uh, of media agencies uh, in particular, um, as you know from some of the articles I've written lately, we're back at 1980s rates, and that's not good. You know, I mean, show me another industry that's back at 1980s prices. Could you buy a Mercedes-Benz at 1980s prices? Only if it's a 1980s Mercedes. <laughs> so where we are now uh, is in a situation where, where what little we can control uh, is the local direct. Long-term local direct uh, business is is where uh, we need to uh, aim and uh, we need to focus on that. And if we're going to do that, then why not do it right? Um, there are two things we're getting wrong with local direct. One is a completely different topic. Maybe we can talk about that again sometime, but that would be we, we lose control over the creative uh, and we listen to the client. The client is not, uh, is not, um, uh, a master of creative. Uh, and, and we should not be taking talking points from them and uh, and then doing mediocre commercials, the ones we're doing now. We're participating in assisted suicide when we do that. Uh, the second thing is what I call the back end of the sale. We've got to get control over the, the client's budget. And we are failing in that area. Um, we have nothing in which to base, um, for, for most of us, nothing concrete uh, for which to base um, what uh, we recommend that they spend on the station. Um, in many cases, almost all cases, we're not pitching enough uh, because we're scared. 
um, to ask for too much. Um, I remember uh, in the early 90s, something happened to me, and in this particular case, it was an automobile client. And I had been asking uh, in Austin, Texas, this market, uh, for uh, my average sale almost every time was around $2,500 a month. And where did I get that figure? Um, That's a good question. Um, Everybody else at the station seemed to ask for about $2,500 a month. And and I was new, so I I copied what they were doing. Uh, The other thing was, in my mind at that time, I thought that $2,500 was a lot of money personally, okay? And that was my evidence for asking for that amount. Well, I came up with a great idea for this automotive client, and I took it to him, and I doubled what I was asking for a month from $2,500. Instead of that, I was going to ask for $5,000 because I knew the client would love the idea. And he did. He said, Paul, that's great. You know, uh, how much? And I said, $5,000. And the client said, a week? <laughs> and somehow I managed to croak out, yes, sir. <laughs> he says, good, we'll just do that from now on. And as I left that meeting, all I could hear was the sound of my own heartbeat in my ears as what had just happened dawned on me fully. That in a five-week month before, he would spend $2,500 uh, in the month. Now he's spending uh, $25,000 a month, and, and he spent that loyally uh, and more uh, from that point on. And the question was, who am I to assume that they can only afford to spend this much money? Nobody likes surprises. I don't like surprises, particularly cancellations. Um, What I've done is I've come up with a way that all of us can follow where we can ask for a lot more money and be confident that the client is on the same page with us uh, regarding expectations about results. And so what I want to talk about today is how to do a simple calculation that puts you in a catbird seat on what the client is spending, uh, managing the client's expectations about results so you don't get this, you, you lower your risk and surprise cancellations. Um, I believe the clients deserve to know how much it would cost to own their product service category on your station. Um, that is, what would it cost? Uh, I'm here to raise the bar on what an acceptable level of spending is. If, you know, people in radio sales, uh, all the time, the client says, okay, I like the creative idea, you know, and, and then the client, and then the salesperson says, okay, then what's your budget for this? That's a terrible question. You know, why ask that to the client? Why not tell the client what he should or she should be spending? Uh, in order to make a real difference with your audience. I believe in heavy frequency. Do you have any packages? Yes, we do, as a matter of fact. We've got good, we've got better, and we've got best. What's best? Well, that means you own the category on our station. What would that cost? And then you can tell them, you know, well, uh, we could run a commercial an hour, and you would own the category. You would own that. How much would that cost? And depending on where, uh, $5,000 a week. They deserve to know 
um, all right, that's best. What's what's better? Well, better would be, you know, you're probably in a position to own the category, but for some reason you're holding back and letting your competitor do that. What's good? Well, you got your foot in the water, you know, and, and let's call a spade a spade and tell them what it would take, what they should aspire to spend. Maybe they can't afford it now, but sometime maybe they will. At least they know, um, and we're the ones telling them how much they should spend, not them uh, telling us uh, what they, they think they could spend. Let me jump in here real quick. Uh, do you believe that every client should be pitched that $5,000 a week uh, package or proposal or idea, or there needs to be some qualifying first? Well, you know, I mean, they, anybody, you know, from a, a, a mom and pop to a, a bigger client at least deserves to know what these thresholds are. I mean, why not? Why would we withhold that information? Because at some point, maybe they could afford it. Exactly. At least they know where they should go. So um, we go through this process. Um, this is why the calculation I'm going to show you is so important. It makes advertising look like less of a gamble and more of a good calculated risk. That's number one. Number two, it gives you ammunition for justifying a higher rate. Number three, it rationalizes a much larger budget for your station, regardless of whether you're number one or number 20. You know how I feel about that. Uh, well, you're not number one. It's just like saying, what a coincidence, Mr. Client. Neither are you. <laughs> you know? uh, I don't have to be number one um, in order to make advertising work for you on this station. I know something you don't know. You know, I love that. I know something you don't know, and we know things that they don't know, and they know things that our listeners don't know, and that's part of the uh, that's part of the strategy of making better commercials. We we'll talk about that some other time. Um, we do this calculation in a language the client actually understands. Um, it usually kills the client's objection, cancel my advertising, it's not working, by managing the client's possibly unreal expectations about advertising results and unreal uh, uh, ideas of, of where the client's budget comes from. Um, it gives you another great way to get an appointment with the decision maker. Um, the, the ROI calculation is something that nobody's doing uh, that everybody should be doing, especially nowadays. Um, why do I need to calculate ROI for my clients? What what do I need? What are the elements? I need to know what the client's average sale is. Average sale. I need to know the client's gross margin of profit. Uh, gross margin of profit. And I need your QM number, not households like television does. Why would you voluntarily cut your biggest number in half? Um, no, you want your QM number. Know what that is. If you're in a small market or in an unrated market, then this, uh, what you do is you look at the population in your signal coverage area and come up with a figure that the client would agree is fair. You know, I mean, we advertise. We're here. We're a community radio station. Let's just say 10 or 20 percent of the people in the signal coverage area tune us in once a week, and that's how you would come up with that number if you're in an unrated uh, uh, situation or you don't subscribe. Um, what does average sale mean? Well, to calculate average sale, the client simply adds up all the revenues that he or she takes in in the course of a normal sales day and then divides that number by the number of people who bought, right? 
So if you add up everything, all right, um, what's the average sale in, in the course of a normal day? And then what is gross margin of profit? Excuse me, Ed. Gross margin of profit is what's left over after the client discounts either the cost of materials or labor, not both, whichever is higher. Gross margin does not include the cost of utilities, rent, taxes, maintenance, etc. That would be net profit. And if you ask a client what their net profit was, it's like saying, how much money do you take home every month? And that would be considered rude. But gross margin is an industry uh, figure and, and, and a fair number to use. Here's an, uh, a situation. Okay, let's say that the client is an expensive men's clothier. You know, I mean, suits start at $1,000. Um, you know, a, a, a nice dress shirt uh, at 100 bucks, $125. Ties, 100 bucks. Shoes, $400. Is there a market for this kind of, uh, of business? Sure. The client calls in and says he's tried broadcast before, but he's skeptical because the last time he says it didn't work. Okay? Um, another fact, client is willing to spend only $1,000 in one week. Okay? The station reaches 100,000 people per week. The station's average rate is $150. That's average, okay? Let's go back and go over these points again. People write this down. It'll come in handy in just a moment. Clothier, client calls in, says he tried it before and it didn't work. Client's willing to spend $1,000 in one week. The station reaches 100,000 people a week, and the station's average rate is $150. Now, I can't do much with that $1,000 at that high average rate. So I have this conversation, okay? <clears throat> My objective now, now that I have those facts, is number one, determine how the client came up with his budget. Number two, determine why the last campaign didn't work. Number three, manage the client's expectations about results based on facts, not the client's opinion. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but not their own set of facts. Number four, to get the client to increase the budget. These are my objectives and here is my staff strategy on how I want to achieve my uh, objectives. I want to use real numbers to show the client that instead of gambling, using your station is actually a good calculated risk. I want to use a chart uh, of some kind to manage the client's expectations about results. I want to come up with a reasonable goal for the campaign, and I want to get the client to spend more money based on reasonable expectations about results. Okay, these are this is this is my strategy, and this is what I'm going to do. So let's say you write down client's budget is a thousand, client's average sale is eight hundred dollars, the station's cum is a hundred thousand people a week. And the client's gross margin, I know because I worked in men's clothing when I was in college, is what we call Keystone or 50%. Okay, So let's say the client goes to Dallas to the Apparel Mart twice a year to go buy, you know, on a buying trip. And all of the clothing manufacturers are there. The client finds a shirt that he thinks would sell very well in his shop. And the shirt costs him... 50 bucks, okay? He's going to take that shirt back to his store and mark it up 100% to 
to a hundred bucks, right? The client sells the shirt to some happy guy, um, and 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 so to determine gross margin, what we do is subtract what he has in it. In this case, the cost of materials, which is more than labor at his place. So he subtracts fifty dollars, which is and what's left over is fifty dollars, or a gross margin of profit of fifty percent. Do you see what I'm saying? Is that clear? Absolutely, it's absolutely clear to me. Yes. Okay. Now, um, ever it's so gross margins of profit differ. You know, if you're talking about uh, recreational vehicles, um, if you're talking about um, Apple products, you know, the gross margin is very slim, um, like 10%. Uh, for RVs, uh, you know, 15%, uh, you know, because in electric, consumer electronics, a lower gross margin of profit. Higher gross margins, uh, let's say it's a bar, for example, uh, with a 75% gross margin after the, the cost of booze. So when you buy a glass of wine, that first glass pays for the whole bottle. This is, this is what we call gross margin of profit, what's left over after either the cost of materials or labor, whichever is more. Uh, for a builder, there's a remodeler remodeling a home next door. Gross margin of profit is about uh, 30% after the cost of labor, which is more than materials. On a house, a new home, gross margin of profit is more like uh, closer to 15 to 20 percent after the cost of materials, which is slightly more than the cost of labor. You know, uh, you can go on and on. Gross margins for auto dealers is shrinking all the time for, you know, on sales of a new vehicle, but very high uh, on used vehicles and on service. I asked one of the biggest car dealers in the country, who happens to be one of my neighbors, he owns car dealerships everywhere, uh, you know, I said on labor, I mean on, on uh, repair, you know, I talked to a lot of garages who say they're working at about a 50% gross margin of profit after the cost of labor. How about you? He said, nope, not at my dealerships. Uh, we keep 75 cents and give the mechanics 25 cents at my dealerships. So, wow. yeah, good gross margin. So, all right, now, so this guy's, uh, his, his average sale is $800. And I asked him, okay, gross margin, 50%. So I asked him, I said, how many new customers spending $800 do you think it would take to break even on this campaign in this week? <clears throat> and the client, who's intelligent, <laughs> says, uh, I don't know, Paul, 80 or 90? 80 or 90 spending 800 to pay for the 1000 he's spending? I'm going, no, 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 no. Um, and where did the, where did he get that number? Uh, based on our numbers, he would only need to get 2.5 new customers. We we settled on three after I explained gross margin and average sale to him. Right? Where did the client come up with the 80 or 90 new clients that he'd need for that thousand he spent? He pulled it out of his rear end. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's where that number comes from. And, and, and what the client determines they're going to spend and what their expectations about results are, they kill us every time because sure. we don't use this information, right? right. So it had I not – so here's the thing. What I said was, all right, what if just 1% of our audience responded to a great commercial 
the kind that I create, run enough times to reach out to the people that most likely want to buy from that client, or they're, you know, people don't like being uh, sold, but they don't mind being informed. And this kind could inform people of a lot of cool stuff. One percent of a hundred thousand is one thousand people. And I tell the client right off, that's not going to happen. You're not giving anything away in this commercial. But what if just one half of one percent of our audience, one half of one percent showed up? That would be 500 people each spending an average of $800. Not going to happen. I said, what if one-fourth of one percent of our audience heard what you're doing and came in and bought, but what would that be? That would be 250 people. You see where this is going. Sure. One-eighth of 1% 1 would be 125 people. One-sixteenth of 1% 1 would be 63. One-thirty-second of 1% 1 of our audience would be about 32 people. Do you see where this is going, Ed? One-sixty-fourth of 1% 1 of our audience would be 16. One-one-hundred-twenty-eighth of 1% of our audience would be eight people. One two hundred fifty-sixth of one percent of our audience would be four. And one five hundred and twelfth of one percent of our audience would be two. What was our magic number to break even? Three people. So I tell the client, so what you're saying is if somewhere between one two hundred fifty-sixth of one percent of our audience and one five hundred twelfth of one percent of our audience <laughs> Uh, came in and bought, you break even. The client goes, huh. And I say, <laughs> you know, I mean, three, would you agree, is a fur piece from 80 or 90? Right. Um, and so the client says, okay, you know, I understand uh, that. And I said, well, instead of going after three, why not go after 12 new customers? You know, quadrupling, 4,000 in the week. And he says, sneaky Wayland, I know what you're doing. We'll go after nine. And so he tripled his own budget. Fifteen people responded, um, buying, spending an average of $800. The client was elated. Okay, But let me ask you this. What would have happened had we run the campaign with 1000 in the week and 15 people had shown up and bought? What would he have said? Not enough. We needed 90. Yeah. Based on what? Based on what evidence? The number he pulled out of his rear end, right? right? Can we afford? Can we afford to have ignorant client, clients when it comes to expectations on uh, about results and spending an appropriate about money about amount of money uh, in a week to make the campaign work? We can't afford that anymore. And if you know, if we'd never had that conversation, the client says, "Cancel my advertising. It's not working," um, based on some false uh, information. What would have happened? He would have, uh, he would have said it didn't work, and based on an unsupported artificial expectation of 80 to 90 instead of the, the true number, which would be the number three. Here's what, without ROI calculations, you're blind. And you're going to get blindsided with no defensive strategy when a client says canceled because it didn't work. Okay. With ROI, you manage the client's expectations about results. With ROI, you can justify a larger budget. With ROI, you make advertising with you seem much, much less risky. With ROI, you separate yourself from all the other media reps because you look like you know something that the others obviously don't know. That is my case. 
Let me ask you this, Paul. How how many sales reps out there do you think are, are taking the clients through that process at this time? Hardly any. Hardly any. Oh, uh, because they don't know what all right, they don't know what the gross margin numbers are. I do, and guess what? On my website at paulwayland.com, that's Paul W E Y L A N D. On the front page of my website is a PDF with 80 gross margins of profits for various uh, for various product service categories. And pretty soon, you know, once you get into this, and, and by the way, once you get into this, you can't go back the other way because that would be stupid. You know, uh, life is hard, ladies and gentlemen, but it's a lot harder if you're stupid. So here's what I'm saying. You know, I put the PDF on my page so that you, I've already done all that work. And these may vary a little bit from, uh, you know, client to client slightly. Um, but at least you go in saying, okay, your gross margin of profit, um, hmm, let's see, you're a roofer. Is gross margin about 45%? Is that about what's left over for you after the cost of labor that you could reinvest back in your business? And they look at you like, huh, yeah, that's about right. And then you're on the same page. Then you can work. I always ask seven questions. I need the answers to these seven questions. Uh, from the client. I ask them, even if I already know the answer, so I can measure the level of client ignorance, not stupidity, but ignorance about what we do for a living. Number one, uh, regarding marketing, marketing and advertising, what are you doing or what have you done? Well, we use the newspaper. Fine, I can deal with that later. Second question, why are you doing it? You know, why that? Well, you know, because my father used the newspaper, his father used the newspaper, we know how to use the newspaper, we know how to make our own ads, whatever, I can deal with that later. Third question, um, uh, who are you trying to reach? And you, you, this is where you always get things like, well, Paul, we're trying to reach everybody. You know, of course, that's physically and theoretically impossible, but we can deal with that later. Fourth, those people that you're trying to reach, what do they know about your business now not what do they think but what do they know well they used to think that we were the you know the place to go for hunting fishing equipment etc and now you know Cabela's has moved to town and we're, we're mortified what do you want people to know and this is where information comes out that I need to make my best commercials those things that they tell customers uh, every single day those talking points that they use to get customers to say yes on the showroom floor, in the store, over the phone, in their office, whatever. But these things never make it into the commercials because we're too busy with all that BS cliche stuff mm -hmm. and, and, you know, focusing on sale, on, on a sale instead of selling value in the commercials. Next question, what is your average sale? And then final question, what is your gross margin of profit? And if you already have that chart, you can say, is, is it somewhere around 35% after the cost of uh, materials uh, or, you know, what, whatever? And these are the questions I need the answers to. Then I can put together a calculated, uh, a good schedule. Uh, usually I take what you normally ask for a month, and why not ask for that much a week? You know what? And I've been in this business a long time and have worked in every state in this country and a lot of foreign countries. And I've only known, in all this time, I've only known of two media sales reps that were actually murdered for asking for too much money. So, you know, your odds are good. <laughs> your odds are good. He's making that up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's my message for today. And What if a client has no clue 
what his uh, gross margin of profit is. What does a salesperson do then? Because it's bound to happen. Of course. You should at least have an idea from the 80 that I'm giving you. <laughs> you know, you could probably correlate, uh, you know, if, if what, what that number is and tell them. And they can call their professional association and find out. If a salesperson actually goes into every client he or she has and uses the ROI calculation, which really has been around forever, they've just never really used it as much as they should, what do you think no, they'll do to their billing? They don't use it at all. It's math. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's going to go up. It's going to go through the roof. It's going to go through the roof. Are you kidding? And you're going to hear back, uh, this, is, this is the best thing I've ever done, you know? They don't, right now, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Isn't that from Alice in Wonderland? Sure. Why would you operate from a position of chaos? Great. Anything else you want, uh, you want to make sure our uh, listeners know before we let you go? This is great stuff. Uh, sometimes it's best to just let you roll and, and get everything out there just like today. Well, you know, what I can do, if you'd like, is I'll send you a PowerPoint presentation with what I just talked about. And um, and if and and would, wow. would that be okay, Ed? Yeah, that'd be great. I could attach it to uh, to the link for the uh, podcast, and uh, they'd have everything right in front of them. They sure would, wouldn't they? Wouldn't that be better than a slap across the belly with a sack full of wet mice? <laughs> All right, I could tell we've gone too long, folks, with Paul. <laughs> Paul, it's always great to have you on. Appreciate it, and. Um, uh, ROI is the trick. It's all on the website, paulwhalen.com, and uh, we'll be attaching the PowerPoint to this podcast so you have it and download it. You can use it anytime you like. Paul, thanks very much. Ed, my pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Radio Inc. Magazine's podcast on management with Radio Inc. Editor-in-Chief Ed Ryan. Check out our website, radioinc.com for a complete schedule of upcoming podcasts on management. You can also download previous editions of our podcasts and listen anytime on any device. 